Hello, everyone. Welcome to GBA's Trade Policy Podcast. My name is Aaron Taylor. Uh, today, we have a special guest on the podcast, John Gold. Thank you for being here, John. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate the opportunity. John is the Vice President of Supply Chain and Customs Policy at the National Retail Federation. And he also leads the Americans for Free Trade Coalition, a very important coalition here in uh, Washington, D.C. On this episode, we're going to dive deeper on where the United States stands with the ongoing tariff dispute, which many companies are facing and working through. Uh, before we get into the tariff discussion, though, John, I want to, if you just tell us a little bit more about Americans for Free Trade, how the group started, and the work you do on a daily, annual basis, because it is never-ending. Sure. So Americans for Free Trade is a coalition that we started back in, I believe, October of 2018. Um, we had actually started as kind of a loose-knit group of associations getting together in town, talking about what was going to be happening on the China trade debate and the upcoming tariffs that we knew were going to be coming together. And as we typically do here in Washington, D.C., we decided it was time to formalize the coalition once the tariffs were announced as an opportunity to push back on the negative impact the tariffs would have on the U.S. economy. So we grew the coalition from you know, a couple of dozen trade associations from a wide variety of economic sectors to now well over 170 different trade associations. Um, and we continue to do work today advocating for the removal of the harmful China 301 tariffs. Okay, so you started really just in the nick of time before any of the tariffs came out, October 2018. We had started kind of getting together and, and planning and having, you know, comparing notes uh, right around the when the debate was happening. And then once we knew the tariffs would be announced, that's when we formalized the, the coalition effort to go forward. Okay, excellent. Tell us a little bit more. How many members do you have in there? Obviously, GBA is one of those members, but how many others do you have? Yep. So we have uh, over 170 different trade association members representing uh, retail, manufacturing, agriculture, uh, every sector of the U.S. economy who has been harmed by the, the tariffs that are in place. And, you know, we continue to get new members as more companies are impacted by the tariffs. So we you know, applaud GBA for joining the coalition early on. And we thank you for your partnership and all the activities we've been doing since the coalition has been around. No, absolutely. You've been a great resource on just regular news updates and, and uh, I think insights that some people may miss in their day jobs, you know, uh, drinking through a fire hose and tracking 3,000 emails on a day. Uh, it's helpful to have one resource to go back to, uh, and that is certainly your daily email. So let's talk about where we are with the tariffs, and we'll get to yesterday's news in just a bit. I have kind of been viewing and describing to others the uh, tariff dispute as three different buckets, you know. Where does the president stand? Uh, where does the United States Trade Representative's Office stand in their statutory review? And where does ITC stand in their investigation? Can you talk about, from your perspective, are these all independent processes? Are we going to get a decision on anyone anytime soon? Sure. So they are somewhat independent, but yet aligned in the ongoing discussions and, and investigations. Um, I'll start with the ITC study first. That is a congressionally mandated study that was included in the last appropriations bill that requires the ITC to take a look at the economic impact of both the China 301 and the uh, steel and aluminum 232 tariffs on the U.S. economy. Um, the ITC had a, an open process where they had hearings. Um, I believe it was three days of hearings. It was originally slated to be a day of hearings, but it got extended because so many people wanted to, to testify on the impact of the tariffs, both pro and, and con. Um, we testified on the 301 tariffs and the ongoing negative impact of the tariffs. 
that is a congressionally mandated study that is due to Congress next March. And ITC is basically going to be producing this study. The International Trade Commission, correct, will be producing the study based upon the testimony they received as well as other input they received through their uh, notice and comment process. So they're now putting it all together and we'll have a study out hopefully in March when it's supposed to be due to the Congress. Um, And then hopefully Congress will be able to use that information to determine what, if any, action Congress will take. And hopefully part of that is looking at reforming some of the U.S. trade laws, 301, 232, as to how they're used. Um, We certainly have concerns with how, especially the 301, tariffs have been used on China uh, and whether or not, you know, it fits with how they're supposed to be used with how President uh, Trump had used them and now how they are in staying in place today uh, under President Biden. Back to the question, though, as far as the, you know, President Biden and the USTR review, obviously when President Biden was campaigning, you know, he talked about the negative impact the tariffs were having on the economy, especially on farmers and manufacturers. So, you know, many thought that when the president came into office, there would be this immediate review of the tariffs and the impact they were having and make a determination whether or not to continue with the tariffs. This was tied up as part of the larger government review of China trade policy in general or China policy in general. We've seen some broad outlines of that policy. We're still waiting on kind of more detail on what that's going to be. But part of that certainly is where we are with the tariffs. You know, Ambassador Tai has continuously talked about the need to review the tariffs and the impact they're having. Uh, They now are undertaking their statutory four-year review of the tariffs, which is required by law that after four years you have to review the effectiveness of the tariffs. They had their phase one of this this review that closed out this summer where they asked uh, domestic industries, domestic manufacturers, you know, if the tariffs should be maintained. They received 100 plus comments, I think, on both list one and list two. Most were requesting that tariffs remain in place. In early September, USTR had announced because they did receive feedback to maintain the tariffs that they will be kept in place, but they would be moving eventually to a phase two to allow for other input on the impact of the tariffs, which came with yesterday's announcement of phase two opening up. Yep. So let's discuss that on the phase two. How do you perceive the news that was was released yesterday? I think the news is is a positive. We certainly, through Americans for Free Trade, NRF, and other groups around town, have certainly been calling for an opening of phase two ever since phase one had closed. Um, you know, it's been a month plus now since the announcement was made to maintain the tariffs. We've been waiting for an announcement of when is it our turn to be able to provide feedback to USTR on the impact of the tariffs. So we see that as a positive, that they're actually opening up a portal. Uh, will be open up on November 15th. Um, the, they will be providing additional information, I think, by November 1st, a list of questions they want to have companies and associations respond to about the impact of the tariffs. I think we have until mid-January to provide input into that process. Um, but the question is, what happens then? You know, how does USTR then take that information and make a decision on what to do with it? Um, I think we are a little bit disappointed that there's no announcement of a public hearing, um, as we had seen in the past. Um, Obviously, when the 301 tariffs were first put in place, for each list, there was a a public hearing that was held with the the Trade Policy Steering Steering Committee, where we had an opportunity to talk about what we perceived would be the impacts from the tariffs. So it would be nice to have actually a public hearing now to really kind of get into that and understand that, as opposed to just providing written comments to, uh, to USTR. That could still be on the table. We're not sure. You'd think by now USTR has enough written comments on this issue. They wouldn't be seeking a lot more, right? 
one would think, I mean, they, they've obviously continuously heard about the ongoing impact of the tariffs. Um, you know, part of that's through the advocacy work we've been doing, work you guys have been doing, and others talking about the, the negative impact of the tariffs. You know, USTR and others continue to maintain the tariffs provide leverage over the Chinese. I think there's a question as to whether or not that's actually the case. Right, or is it really effective? Correct. Are the Chinese changing their behavior? Correct. You use the term portal. It makes me think of you know taking a portal to another planet where there are no tariffs. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to discuss a little bit more. Just tell us more about your advocacy work as part of this process. Sure. So uh, through Americans for Free Trade, there have certainly been a number of different efforts we've been undertaking. You know, continuously talk about the negative impact of the tariffs, making sure we're educating the administration, educating Capitol Hill, educating the press, and uh, your everyday consumer about the impact of the tariffs. You know, we're doing that through a variety of different initiatives, obviously meeting with legislators to talk about the tariffs, providing uh, stories to them from their constituents about the impact that they're seeing, not just on the company, but on jobs, on consumers. Um, and especially, you know, as we're continuing through the pandemic and inflation and everything else, the ongoing supply chain challenges, the tariffs certainly have not helped. They've continued to provide a, uh, a barrier to companies being able to continue to push forwards. Um, so our, you know, our job through the coalition is to promote the ongoing impact of the tariffs. Again, through through the lobbying, working with members of Hill, providing op-eds, opportunities for companies to talk, tell their story, which we think is is really important for the companies themselves to talk about the impact of these tariffs and do it on a local level. I think, you know, as you guys know, we always talk about how politics is local. You know, it's great that we can go and visit with staff and members here in Washington D.C. But bringing it home is really what is important as part of this, making sure that you are talking to folks back home in the state, doing a local op-ed, bringing folks in to do a store tour, a distribution center tour, a facility tour, and point out this is what the tariffs mean. This is the impact they have. This is the product, widget, whatever, that is impacted. And if I can't get this product because it's not made here in the U.S., I can only get it from China, then I can't do my job. My workers don't have a job. So that's where you know we're trying to promote that. We've held different tariff talks where we've had a roundtable with third-party validators talking about the impact, think tanks, talking about from their perspective, the economic perspective, the impact of the tariffs, and then getting with companies telling their stories. Yep, I think that the inflation point you mentioned is certainly one that has been raised a lot and I think has certainly been helpful. Are there other uh, data points or advocacy talking points that you think are swaying the administration and USGR more than that point? I think that certainly is a, a big point, but again, it's it's really upon, you know, on a company basis, talking about the impact of the tariffs, the fact that we've collected well over, I think we're close to $160 billion in these taxes that have been paid by U.S. importers. You know, it's not paid by China, it's not paid by anybody else, but it's paid by the U.S. importer. Um, and the fact that it's hit not just retailers and consumer goods and finished goods, but inputs to production. Um, there was a study put out this week by Ed Gresser with the PPI, Progressive Policy Institute, talking about how the majority of these tariffs have actually hit inputs to production more than anything else. So that really has been hitting U.S. manufacturers more than retailers and consumer goods. Um, let me jump back a little bit on the uh, Trade Commission review. And, and I know some people have talked a lot about the, the politics of trade and how some on the left really don't want to let any of the tariffs go, and that certainly has, has influenced the president. Do we see the ITC review also being influenced by politics at all, or is it just 
the testimony of those who've come in. I, the, the ITC is an independent agency, and they really are going to be a, I guess, a straight shooter when it comes to looking at this, and will base their report upon the feedback they've received in testimony, their own research that they're doing. Um, so politics don't come into play as much with the ITC because they are an independent agency, independent body doing their own own research. And you know, typically they put out really good reports on the impact of, on trade. Yep. So we're, we're eagerly waiting to see their report. Um, and then hopefully we can use that in uh, further advocacy on this issue as well. Yep, great, great. Um, so let's discuss specifically the 232 tariff disputes that the Biden administration has brokered. Do you think these decisions are based on strategic impacts or is it more economics? I think it's a little bit of both. I think part of this was trying to fix some of the broken relationships from the prior administration mm-hmm. and trying to kind of clear the field of some of these ongoing trade disputes that uh, as they're trying to get our allies more engaged in other other initiatives. So addressing the steel and aluminum 232s certainly was a, a big issue. Uh, Boeing Airbus, which has been around for decades, uh, addressing that issue. Uh, the one thing I would point out, though, on the steel and aluminum 232 is that we have moved away from the tariffs, but we put quotas in place, which are almost as bad because now you're setting an arbitrary limit on the imports. So you know that's kind of a, a challenge as well. But I think part of that was trying to resolve some of these other outstanding disputes to get our allies back on board with some of the other trade initiatives and agenda that we have uh, going forwards. Right. And in terms of, you know, the allies, maybe we can discuss just a little bit the free trade agreements. Uh, UK has been... I said the what? The free trade agreements. We have those? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the UK, I, I was speaking with someone, um, and they you know, were mentioning that they were very desirous to, to have one, and but they've just got no reciprocation from USTR, yet we see USTR in Congress actually specifically pushing for a Taiwan agreement. How do you see all of that playing out? There certainly is a a want and a need to continue to push for free trade agreements. I know this administration and USTR has been looking at different models of free trade agreements. We've got the the IPEFF, the IPEF, um, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, um, which is not a normal free trade agreement, and it's not being negotiated. As Specifically, I think, because it doesn't have the access. Market. Right. Market access and tariffs are not part of the agreement. Um, also, it's being negotiated by Commerce and USTR, and Commerce has three of the pillars. USTR has one of the pillars. Um, it's also not being negotiated under rules under a Trade Promotion Authority, which has lapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there are many in Congress who want to see TPA uh, uh, renewed, because that requires, you know, part of TPA is having the requirement of the consultation between USTR and Congress as these negotiations are going forward. So there's a concern that you don't have that back and forth in consultation as you're negotiating these frameworks, which are a little bit different than, a, than an FTA. So on that, going to Congress and going to Trade Promotion Authority and its lapse, do you think members are willing to come together in the fall and, and renew that? Or are they just going to wait? Probably not in the fall, um, you know, hopefully in the next Congress, but, you know, it's unclear what the next Congress is going to look like right now. I think, you know, trade has been certainly been difficult, you know, for the past few few years for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think trade might continue to be difficult in the next Congress, um, you know, especially if you have a split Congress. You know, will, will much get done? Unclear. But, you know, I think we're going to continue to push for looking at having free trade agreements and include market access, which is a huge part of this, as well as tariffs. 
you know, the, minute the ambassador Ty talks about the fact that, you know, tariffs are, are low for access to the U.S. And that's, that's right for majority of, of issues. But for some consumer goods like apparel and footwear, you still have an average, you know, 18, 19, 20% tariff that's in place. Um, so that is a regressive tax that has an impact on U.S. consumers, especially low and middle class consumers. That's why my new shoes were so expensive. <laughs> okay. Uh, lastly, um, how can individual member companies get involved with the efforts that you're doing, specifically on the advocacy side? Yeah, I think on the advocacy side, you know, as I talked about, um, having individual companies tell their story, either working through through GBA, working with the coalition, um, participating in uh, advocacy with your members of Congress, both here in Washington D.C. as well as back home. Again, back home really is critical, especially now as members are home, you know, finishing up their campaigning for the November election. Um, participate in town hall meetings if they're doing that. Bring them into a store, distribution center, warehouse, manufacturing facility to show them what trade means to your, your company, what the tariffs mean, and the impact it has on your workers. Um, do op-eds, uh, letters to the editor. Uh, there are ways to do that. But, you know, you're not making them political, but just tell your story. Here's the impact the tariffs have. And look, we all agree China's been a bad actor. We've got to find ways to get and address some of the issues that were raised in the 301 dispute on IP theft uh, and forced tech transfer. The tariffs just have not been the way to go. They have not worked. Uh, they've not provided the leverage that we think they do on getting China to change their trade practices. So we've got to look at alternative methods to, to make that happen. All right, and last question. Let's assume just for a moment that they do take the tariffs off the table and what would their alternatives be? I think there are a couple of alternatives. Uh, first and foremost, we've gotta be working with our allies because we all share the same concerns on China. So the go it alone approach that we've seen thus far from the prior administration, this administration certainly has not worked. What are the other trade laws we can look at that could go after uh, the bad actors? Are there sanctions we can do on those companies that really are the ones that are doing IP violations of forced tech transfer? Um, you know, and Ambassador Ties talked about new tools. What are those new tools that we need to talk about? Let's have a conversation about what is it that we need that's gonna actually force some of this change to happen, but the tariffs are not working. Mm -hmm. All right, well, with that, this has been very insightful and I hope our members enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, thank you for coming in and doing this with us. We hope we have you round two, and uh, round two will probably happen as soon as we have some additional news. Sounds good. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, John. Thanks, everyone, for listening.